When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Football Digest Daily. Today I am joined by Ricky Charlesworth and Richard Kusak to talk all things EFL, but specifically Derby County and the situation that's going on there, which is on the pitch actually going all right at the minute despite the big points reduction, uh, a draw at the weekend and a win uh, midweek. It's been a pretty positive week for them, um, but off the pitch things not going quite as well. Ricky, we'll start with you. Um, I suppose the main question to ask is, is what actually is the situation at Derby at the minute and are we looking at a, a, a Bury or a Bolton situation or are we looking at something a bit more tame compared to that uh, I think Derby fans would obviously hope that it's, it's the, the tamer end of the you know the aspect um, I think obviously they've got the 12 points docked so far um, and I mean obviously Richard will probably have a, a bit more on the ball on this than me but you know there's talk isn't there of a, another points deduction been in the pipeline. I mean, if that was to happen, um, you know, I think their chances of staying up would be massively affected. I mean, they're already handicapped, aren't they? Twelve points. They're making a good stab of it, though, like you said. Um, but yeah, I mean, it just seems to be a day comes and it's just another off-field drama. And I think the only good thing, or well, the saving grace for them at the minute, is the fact that on the pitch, you know, they're, they're performing really well. Um, best defense, joint best defense in the championship. Uh, which says a lot. Um, and I just think, yeah, I think it'd be really easy, wouldn't it, for players to kind of cave in and use that as an excuse to so many off-field issues. Um, but from the outside looking in, to me, it looks like they've got half a chance. I think Rooney's really, Wayne Rooney's been really confident in saying that he thinks they'll stay up if they just have this deduction, you know, the 12-point, if it stays at that. If they get any more, I think he he realises that, you know, that would be a massive, massive ask. Um so, yeah, I think it could be a lot worse. Um, if they had a team that was shipping goals every week, then I think there would be massive worries. But I know, Rich, you'll obviously watch them a lot more than, than me or Connor. Um, do you get that sense that the, that the players are really, you know, using it as a, as a motivating factor? The, the way I kind of see it is that you've got these players who, um, you know, the bond has never been like this between supporters and players. Um, the Lampard season... Um, but that had its caveats in that the, most of the fan favourites were lone players, so mm. they went back. This time round, you notice things like Graham Shinney coming over after the Sheffield United game last month and sort of like bowing to the fans. And you know, you don't often see that from players. And Curtis Davis spending about 10 minutes after the um, Reading game in midweek last week, just clapping the fans, going around the entire clapping the fans. I mean, most players sort of you know give it a little bit and go back in, but Shinney again was coming out fist pumping. And it's little things like that. And, and it's easy for players to say we won't down tools, whatever, all the rest of it. They're coming out. You can see how much it means to, to the players, um, not just in the performances, but also in the reaction as well and, and how they hold, ha- handle themselves in front of the media and, and what they say. Um, but I agree with every, everything you've just said, Ricky, about 12 points already being a big handicap. But this this team is, 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 is a mid-table team, if you ask me, potentially mm. top-half, top-half championship. 
um, despite everything that's happened with the transfer embargo and um, how players have come in, trained and then left, Sonny Aluko, Tom Carroll, players, players like that, Derby have been very hamstrung in the, in the window for all the reasons that um, we've mentioned. Um, Rooney from the day after, or the day of the Sheffield Wednesday game last season said, look, I need this sorting out to compete. Didn't happen. The club's gone into administration. Yet somehow there's still this real air of optimism around the club that we can get out of this. But like you say, the nine points, that would just be a hammer blow. Because the club are still under embargo uh, for non-submission of accounts. Um, HMRC debts, of course, as well. That's why the club is still hamstring. If if a transfer window opened tomorrow, it'd it'd be the same same things that um, restricted them in the the last market. So we wait and see how that gets clear, whether the admins take a points deduction. If they do, then I'm sorry to say, but I think that all but, you know, that's the final nail in the coffin of the season. And that would just be an absolutely, that would just be a sucker punch. And anything, just the whole thing would just deflate then. And, and you kind of hope, as a fan, as a reporter, you're kind of hoping that it just stays like this for a bit. Just let it stay like this. The optimism and stuff, just let it stay like this. What do you think, you know, the situation at Derby, is that arised more from, you know, obviously the finances have been a disaster. I think Mel Morris has said they were losing, what, £1.5 million a month. But has this came on as much from the EFL um, financial fair play? Or do you think even without that, this situation was going to happen and Mel Morris was going to pull the plug and put the club into administration? I just think there's only so long you can survive on kind of like, you know, the, I mean, look at the TV revenue compared to Premier League and the money you get in the Championship. And then it drops even further in League One. I, I think it's... I think the, the owner had a point earlier on in his sort of tenure at Derby as, as owner when he said, well, well, when it was coming out, reports were saying that, look, you know, there are some, and I hate to use the term big team, because what is a big team? Is it a, is it a fan base or is it league position or whatever? But there are some big teams in the championship who are playing games and they are not getting financially rewarded um, just because they play in a division below, whereas a, team, whereas a game on a Super Sunday or a Monday night football that might be two teams that have perhaps a historically lower attendances or um, aren't as big a draw perhaps for the TV audience get a vast sum more and I think that's the problem the finances are they're not even and the fact that just means that owners will look to try and spend the money to get up and the problem is you know it hasn't been two or three years it's been six years that Mel Morris has been at, at the club and that's a long time to you know the 15-16 season and the money spent on Johnson, Butterfield, Shackle and then you have Matty Vidra coming in the season after. And then you have Tom Lawrence coming in the season after that. And then Christian Bielik coming in for um, in 2019 after the um, money spent on Marriott, Waghorn, Joseph Zoom, players like that, who all left in free transfers in the summer. Um, it's it's been, it's been a long time. <laughs> it's been a, been a long time spending the money. It just isn't it isn't sustainable. But mm. clubs like Brentford, we've seen, can make it. If you recruit smart and you... Um, bring the right players in, you, you get a setup, you get a culture established throughout the entire club, you can do it. Um, it just hasn't it hasn't worked for Derby. The, the, too much money has been spent on on I'm sorry to say, but not, you know, players that just haven't haven't performed and haven't been able to um, you haven't been able to resell these players and get a big fee, which is what again, I come back to Brentford. Well, that's what they that's how they've done it. You know, you, you can't survive on this model where you aren't getting the money back. Do you think, Ricky, that the, the EFL should be taking some blame for this? Because th- this isn't the first time it's happened. You know, in the last few years, we've seen a lot of clubs in the EFL go through this, although maybe none quite as big as Derby. But, you know, Sunderland were very close to this situation. You know, yeah. I think 
Sunderland could easily have been in the, the position Derby in. Obviously, did fall in the league one as well. But should the EFL be doing more? You know, what I mean, are they willingly just letting teams spend money, knowing that if they Aston Villa, for example, when they got out the Championship, had they not went up that season, yeah, they would have really struggled to get out the the Championship. It's it's a gamble, isn't it? And they're creating this yeah. culture of, of of essentially gambling the club's future and the hope that you might get into the Premier League. To an extent, yeah. I mean, like you said, the, the Villa example is really good. Um, you know, I think QPR, there was a similar kind of thing going on there a few years ago. So they kind of got fined retrospectively after they'd reached the Premier League. So it's like, you know, it's a bit bit of a strange one. Um, Sheffield Wednesday obviously got done. That was to do with more the, you know, to do with the finances of the stadium and the sale. But yeah, it, it, I think the EFL's rules, sometimes you have to shake your head um, you know, there's a lot of, you know, a lot of things that don't really make sense. They'll find one club for certain things and then they'll not come down as hard on other clubs. Um, but I think they are trying to change that. I know the chief executive, um, whose name escapes me at the minute, but is it uh, Trevor Birch? Perry, sorry. It? Rick Perry, the Paul Liverpool guy, oh, isn't it? Sorry, Trevor Birch, the... Um, Birch, is it now, yeah? Yeah, yeah. The, I think he's the chief executive. He, he came out with some you know, long-winded statement about wanting to be more sustainable. And, and obviously, Rick Parry's had comments as well about wanting this, this funding from the Premier League. So, yeah, it's a bit of a strange one. That, but I think everybody knows, every club knows they've got this FFP rule now, 39 million over three seasons. And if you exceed that, you know, you, you kind of know that punishments are going to come now. And we've, we're starting to see that, that bear fruit. Um, but it's interesting when you said about Sunderland and, and you know, big clubs falling into trouble. But, you know, that's the gamble, isn't it? Sheffield Wednesday is a great example, similar to Derby. They chased the dream, they chased the Premier League, they spent bucket loads, and I mean big money on, not necessarily transfer fees, they did spend that on the likes of Rhodes, um, but like Bannon, big money, big uh, big wage, Westwood, Sam Hutchinson, Stephen Fletcher, Gary Hooper, these are players on big, big money. And after a while, when that doesn't work, that doesn't come off. Like uh, Richard said, they spend this money and then they let, end up letting these players go for nothing. Um, you know, and that's that's the gamble they take. I love the way Brentford work. There's a lot of other clubs as well. Barnes is a good example to an extent where they buy cheap, sell players on. If they lose a player, it's not the end of the world. You know, they've got a template, a, a way of playing, and players kind of slot into that quite nicely. Whereas other clubs, you think they're just chucking money at it. And then as soon as that player goes, you know, they're kind of rushing around, you know, trying to think, oh, what, what do we do now? There's no plan in place. Um, so, yeah, I think I think we will see less clubs. When you look at the transfer window this summer, I think there was hardly any money spent in the Championship, was there? I think Fulham aside, but they they just come down. You know, there's not a lot of money swilling around. Or if there is, you know, clubs are quite hesitant to, to spend it, having seen what will happen. You know the FLR are going to come down on on teams, so yeah, it's um, it's a bit of an odd one, but yeah, I think they are trying to to clamp down on it. Do you think, Richard? Back to to Derby now. What what's the situation with with Wayne Rooney at the minute? You know, because I mean, no, he came out and said that he <clears> wouldn't <throat> leave the club. He would, you know, stick by. What sort of a man would it be if he if he left? The club and the situation it's in, but on the face of it, from the outside looking at it, it seems like he's doing a pretty decent job. And I wouldn't be surprised if another club looked at him 
Um, but do you think he's going to be in here for the long haul? And by the long haul, I mean, you know, even if they get relegated this season and they're in League One next season, do you still think that he'll stick around the club? I think with Wayne Rooney, it's interesting because people are talking about him now, like Derby fans. We're not, we're not, we're absolutely, just to be clear, we're nowhere near like legendary status or whatever yet. But if he was a man who sticks by this club, is perhaps a attractive kind of name for new owners to come in, look and think straight away, worldwide exposure. Look at his Instagram um, account, look at his Twitter, his Facebook account, look at the reach that, um, you know, Derby have 300,000 followers on Twitter. And, um, Wayne Rooney has like 17 million or something crazy like that. So like any every time a Derby tweet, he retweets it. I know it's it's a modern way of doing things now, isn't it? Um, so straight away you've got him <clears> such an asset of a club, not just in terms of his marketability, but also now the fact that he's actually proven that he's he's actually doing a really good job managing the team as well. And fans are starting to think, well, if he sticks around and he goes down with Derby and comes back up. He's like a modern day kind of like Arthur Cox from the 1980s and, you know, someone who came in when the club were in the third division, turned it round, brought them back up and eventually Derby got into the first division and then the premiership. So we're looking at Wayne Rooney as, as like a, not just a motivator, but someone who really seems to, to get the club. He, he could have easily turned around and said, I've had enough. I'm going, why do I need the stress? I've got, you know, plenty of credit in the bank from a tight man United. No one could blame him for leaving. He would not leave. If he turned around and said, I'm leaving today, he'd not leave a failure. He'd probably leave a success, actually, to be fair, given that he kept Derby up and the job he's doing now. But he knows. And to be honest, it's a win-win for him either way, isn't it? Yeah. Really? Because if he sticks around and uh, Derby go down and say, well, look what I had to do. I mean, if Derby stay up or whatever and he turns it around, he'll say, well, you know, it's, 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 it's a real... I just think it's a really good kind of, like, relationship with the fans as well. Um He's built that up, you know. I just think that he's doing a brilliant job. Is is improving players as well, and I think he spoke at length last season about there being not being much of an opportunity for him to imprint much of a style of play because it was literally game by game trying to stay up. And this time around, he seems to have really forged. Like you can see patterns of play developing. You can see the fact that Derby are resolute, which to be honest is is not something I would have deemed attributed to a Wayne Rooney sign either. You know, a team that can shut some other teams out and be really resolute at the back, but he just seems to have improved players, imprinted a style of play, and to be honest, it's it, it's it's looking good as Rooney, the manager's looking good at the moment. I can't lie, like I said, the way he carries himself as well, he's really good with the press, really good with mm. us. Um, the fan, the fans love it. The little sound bites that come out about I grew up on a council estate, like I know what it's like to be to get out against the odds. It's you know, it's 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 brilliant for fans to hear that, and he's he's doing a great job, a really really good job. It comes across well as you know, as like as almost a statesman figure because that obviously is the leader of the club, so would be. But you know, when he's talking about the um, administration, you know, I thought it came across really well. Um, you know, the fact that he, he found out on Sky, you know, stuff like that that makes fans, you know, it appeals to fans, doesn't it? Stuff like that, and I just think he comes across like you just said there, Richard. He's people are kind of seeing a different side to him. You know, people, you know, you look at that incident that happened off the field with him before the season started. Um, you know, he was criticised for that. But, I mean, you can't really fault him since then, can you? No, no, not at all. I think um, he's just, like you say, statement, statesman's a really good way of describing mm. it. He's like, the, you know, the, the, the you know, he's, he's the guy overseeing it all by the, by the sounds of it in terms of on the on the pitch and the training ground and stuff like that. He's got his coaching, Lee and Rosinia. And actually, um, Rosinia was put up for press before the Swansea game. 
and he said that me, me and he said me and Wayne we can communicate without even talking to each other now. <laughs> he said they've struck up that good a bond. Um, he said they're both different kind of different kind of backgrounds, different sort of ways of working, but you know we are because of, because of that we make a good team. So I thought that was really interesting as well because mm. obviously Rosinia came in when Philip Koku came in in 2019 and. You know, Rosinia, bless him, he's not had much of a much success at Derby for one, one reason, one reason or another, because you know, everything that's happened. So it's good to see him getting a bit of a recognition as well for the way that he's working working with the manager. So, yeah, um, like you said, Ricky, the statesman's a really good way of describing the way that Rooney's project like projecting himself at the moment as well. When do you think? Well, when was it obvious to you, Richard, as as a fan that that things weren't right? I mean, at what point were you actually? Worrying because you mentioned there, you know, 2019. I think they brought Billick from uh, Arsenal for what was it like nine million pounds? I think for just the top of my head, it was a lot of money. Uh, Philip Kotko came in as well. And, and I remember, you know, people were saying, Oh, it's a, another bold decision, but it's an, an ambitious appointment. When do you do think that things weren't quite right? And did you know from the the long term? Because I know I'm a Sunderland fan and I remember Sunderland being in the Premier League and I knew that the, the cards were going to crumble at some point. We used to have conversations all the time that we knew that Sunderland were not going to stay in the Premier League every year. They always just stayed up. And when they did go down, it was going to be a disaster because they were in such debt. So it was to me, it was inevitable that Sunderland were going to end up in the situation they were in. Did you think it was inevitable with Derby or did this kind of come as a, a little bit of a surprise? I think, obviously, the, um, you know, I think you're talking in terms of like the performance on the pitch or kind of like the... Fan- no, I'm tra- like the, the kind of the house of the cards off the pitch. I'm talking about the, the finances. Did you know that the situation was going to be like this eventually because I know Derby's had all sorts of issues with the EFL over the last few years did you think this was inevitable that it was going to happen well obviously Derby got charged actually got charged in January because they recorded the Pride Park sale in the 2018 accounts which came out I think in 20 no sorry in the 2017 accounts it came out in 2018 and then I think Derby got charged by the EFL in January 2020 last year so obviously that was um right you know now the legal battle officially begins but I think for me the, the deer kind of came when Derby lost kind of like sort of four or four or five of their opening games last season. And obviously this is when the, the pandemic was still keeping fans out and the nights were, were getting dark, were drawing in and, and the Derby lost four out of five and, and they were bottom of the league and everyone sort of started thinking, no, this is like like this is not this is not a relegation battle, is it surely? And then, sure enough, Philip Koku goes and from November last year, when Philip Koku got the sack, it, it just seems to have been it's nearly a year now of just like fans out of grounds, watching it on, streaming it on your, your little room on the TV because you've been kicked out of the lounge and Philip Koku's gone. You've got a novice manager in Wayne Rooney and and uh, obviously there's not, not not much money flowing about because of the pandemic and January comes and, you, and you're scratching around trying to get loan signings in and, and you're facing a battle for the, to stay up at the end of the season. And that kind of, for me, was when, I, like you say, kind of dawned on me in November last year when Koku got the sack and you're thinking, this is not what, we should, this is not how it was supposed to go. We brought Christian Bielik in when Koku came in. Um, he was developing youth players as well, Lee Buchanan, Louis Sibley, uh, Max Bird, Jason Knight, all these great players who all of a sudden were being given, instead of coming off a bench or playing bit part first team roles, they were given responsibility of players 10 years older than them, you know, players who've been playing senior football for years and years and years. Um, so that, that was just straight away you're thinking, well, this is going to be a real struggle and that for me is when, yeah, when 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 I kind of thought we're in for it, it's coming up for us now. Do you think, Ricky? 
do you think that Derby have a chance of survival this season? And the reason why I throw this to you is, is yeah. Richard will obviously have the, the most <laughs> spectacles on, as every fan of a club will do. But do you think that Derby have a, a chance this season? I do, yeah. I think it hinges on two things. I think that's January. And if the administration issue hasn't been, you know, if the ownership issue, sorry, hasn't been resolved and they have to sell Lawrence, Buchanan, Knight, um, that's one thing. Um because obviously you would expect them to not be able to replace them with any, you know, other than loans and frees, which is not really going to be the same. You know, they're not going to be the same players. Uh, I think the other thing as well is the squad they've got, or the team they've got is doing a good job at the minute. It's making a good fist of it. But Richard will know there's no depth to it, is there? There's no... You get two or three injuries. And I know you've already got two or three. Um, if you get two or three injuries, there's no depth. You Suddenly you've got kids starting rather than sitting on the bench so i think i think we'll know a lot more when we get to january first of all like i said how the off the field ownership issue um you know gets on and progresses but yeah i think if they have to get to january and flog i can't to be honest as well how many saleable assets have you got richard other than knight lawrence buchanan they're the three main ones max Max bird louis sibley perhaps as well Mm. Um, but then, if yeah. you do sell them, you know, are they going to get replaced? That's the problem. Can you make when you brought up the depth there, Rick? I want to mention that obviously Derby, being under embargo, have, have still mm. reached their 23 players of professional standing limit. Hence, in the Sheffield United Carabao Cup game earlier in the season, um, I forget the, the lad's name. Um, he was on the bench and he came on and he was like 16. I forget. Yeah. He was signed from this is very very unprofessional, but I can't remember who it was. But he was signed from someone. Rooney said afterwards because. Everybody in the in the stand was thinking, "Oh, this lad must be like, you know, the next cab off the rank, the next big thing." And so really said, "Sorry, but I had to put him on because he's a he's a, he's a scholar, right. so he doesn't count as a professional player. So the only he, he hasn't done enough to get in the squad, let alone get on the pitch. But I've had to do it because uh, well, I, I can't put any players who are on professional contracts in because I've reached my twenty three man limit. Um, so yeah, I mean that's that's what you mean about about the depth. You can't mm. bring in a player. You can't register an academy player because we've, re- we've reached that twenty-three man yeah. limit, which is just another um, highlights the situation that Derby find themselves in. Okay, well, I think we could probably talk about Derby for a while, but I, I was going to move on to some some other EFL chat, and the, the place to stop for me um, outside of the Derby County situation is Coventry City, who are third. Now, uh, Ricky in the in the championship played Fulham at the weekend, one for one, controversial mm. game, which I'm sure we'll touch on. But do you think they've got a real chance of promotion this season? Uh, I don't think you would have said it at the start. I mean, I think a lot of people actually tipped them to go down, you know, because they're only the second season back in the championship. Um, but I think they've surprised everyone, really. You know, Mark Robbins, I think all in probably only now people are starting to, you know. Give him the the kind of respect that he's he's deserved as deserved. Sorry, uh, you know he's been around a long time. A lot of club managed a lot of clubs. I think he's managed Coventry at least twice, possibly three times. Um, and yeah, they just seem to be on a high. I think going back to Coventry, you know, to pardon the pun, is um, has been massive. I think they've won every game at home, certainly in the league yeah. <clears throat> at the Coventry, is it the Building Society Arena or whatever it's called nowadays. Um, so, yeah, I think that's a massive part and you can't underestimate that. Um, but, yeah, I mean, if you'd have offered them... Are they third? I'm just looking at the table now. Yeah, they're, so they're, yeah, three points off the top, you know, going into, you know, the October international break. I think they would have, 
snatch your hand off. Um, and obviously they've got it helps when you've got a striker in form. They've got Victor Jokere, I think he's got nine in eleven, um, and he's just turned a call up for the Sweden squad to replace uh, a certain Zlatan. So yeah, it's uh, it's going well for them at the minute. Um, whether they can sustain it, I'm not too sure to be honest. I mean, but you never know. We look at Barnsley last year; they got the playoffs. Um, you know, so why not? What do you make of the the penalty decision? Because to me, that was the most blatant of dives I think I've ever seen. Well, it's one of them. And it's like, if if VAR's in the championship, then you know it probably doesn't even you know doesn't even mention a talking point. But you know that's the problem, isn't it? With you know you're going to get decisions like that, I suppose. But yeah, it, it wasn't a great one, was it? No, it really wasn't. Um, what do you make of Fulham, Richard? Because you know they're a team who've spent money, a lot of money, and I think everyone. Certainly, early doors was like, yep, it's going to be them in West Brom who are going to go up and nobody else was going to get a look. And I certainly remember after five or six games, that was the naive thing that most people were saying is everyone makes their bold predictions way too early. But 4-1 defeat away from home, it feels like it's it's not quite going to plan down there at uh, Craven Cottage. And I'd say it's just another Saturday in the Championship, isn't it? Where we're sort of like these freak results just get thrown out. But I think that the problem with the Fulham is, I think... Marco Silva's teams have always been renowned for very good um, in attack, but defensively they they do ship goals, don't they? And that's and that's that's what happens when you commit men forward, and um, you don't sort of look at you don't you don't make sure that you um you you, know, you don't concede. I mean, I think Fulham have got a very good squad, and and again this is it. It's a the parachute payment conundrum, isn't it? Where you get mm. you know it's no surprise to see Fulham, West Brom, and Bournemouth up there. Again this season, and, and and Norwich going back up. It's I think the championship's in danger of just becoming a sort of like a yo-yo between three or four teams. We've got to yeah. got to look out for that. I think that's what we're going to see. But Fulham, you know, they've got that lovely new Riverside stand coming on, and um, lovely little place, Craven College. I think they've, they've signed well. Harry Wilson as well, a player that we know really well in Derby, top top player, and um, probably just not quite good enough yet for the for the Premiership. But Championship, he's just a, he's just an absolutely superb player and. Look how many teams can afford um, twenty million pound striker like Alexander Mitrovic. He's just mm. again, he's another one who's um, you know that's I think that's probably been Fulham's problem the last few sort of seasons is they've got those players and this is again you know I know I sound very bitter but it's the chasm between the Championship and the Premiership is getting that big now that you can have these superb players in the Championship who when they get to the Premier League just for some reason or another they, they just struggle. Yeah. So that's what I think Fulham's problem is but Coventry I actually as part of my role in the Midlands I've went to go and do a couple of Coventry games earlier this season and I went to the Reading game and just quickly because I know we're going to move on but the atmosphere in the Coventry Building Society arena afterwards was when Matty Golden scored that last minute winner against Reading you know the, the, the fans hung around for ages and 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 the players were um, the players were applauding it was like a like a last day of the season like a lap of honour sort of thing and that's the, the relationship between the fans and, and the club has never been stronger by, by, by the sounds of it after everything that's happened in the past. So that's a big plus for, for Coventry as well. And that's why I think their home form is going to be so good because of the fans mm. are just so into it this season. And that's one thing that stood out for me was how how well the centre forwards played. Like you said, Jokeres and the week after at QPR as well, the unlucky to get a goal and that they, they kept going and kept going and they're obviously getting getting their awards. Bournemouth, I mean, we touched, you touched on them a little bit there, Richard, but still unbeaten. Uh, 2-1 win against Sheffield United at the weekend, so a pretty difficult game. I know Sheffield United haven't necessarily had the best start, but still a, a hard game. But, you know, Ricky, do you think that they're the, the real deal? Because last year they, they didn't, I know they got in the playoffs, but they didn't mm. have the season that most people expected. 
yeah, I think they'll they'll go up. I think it's probably them and I think either Fulham or West Brom as, as sad that is as sad as that is, you know, and predictable as that is. I just think Bournemouth are, when they turn it on, you know, they've not lost yet. By all accounts, they weren't great on Saturday, but they come I think that was the first time they've conceded first as well. Um and obviously they came from behind in about ten, fifteen minutes. Solanke's becoming lethal at this level. Um, not quite Mitrovic style, uh, Mitrovic level of lethal yet, but um, you know they got Solanke, Billing, David Brooks. So I'm amazed he's still in this division. I know he's had a lot of injuries actually, but you know he, he's different gravy when he's on his day. Um, they've got a couple of young lads as well coming through, Zamora, Anthony, who have been real, you know, breakthrough talents. I think they're keeping. Um, they've got a couple of new signings. What they, they brought in over the summer, who are being kept out of the team. Uh, they added Ryan Christie from Celtic. I mean, they're just quality all over the park. And if they're not in the top two this year, I think there's, there's, you know, I'll be amazed, to be honest. Um, like I said, they're, they're the only unbeaten team in the EFL. Um, you know, so I think, yeah, I think they are as close to being searched for promotion as you can get, in my opinion, anyway. I don't know if you, you agree with that. Yeah, I think Philip Billings scored his sixth goal of the season. Didn't yeah, for a, you think of him as like a defensive midfielder, exactly, don't you? Yeah, it's not a bad if you've got that. You know, you've got your defensive mid scoring every other week, then uh, it's not too bad, is it? No, uh, I suppose the other end of the spectrum, Cardiff City, Mick McCarthy, well under pressure, Richard, and um, feels to me like he's he's sort of on his last legs there. But, I mean, I would I would always say never bet against Mick McCarthy in the championship, but it just isn't quite working for whatever reason. And I, I actually really like Mick McCarthy. He's brilliant in post-match pressers and he's just like one of those kind of old, you know, old stages still hanging on, isn't he? Like Neil Warnock as well. He's, you know, an absolute legend of the game at, at this level, certainly. But it was always um, it was always a strange sort of... I thought Cardiff moving for Neil Harris was strange to begin yeah. with. Then re, instead of resetting and going, right, you know, let's look to the future perhaps and get someone in and let's imprint a style of play. They moved for Mick McCarthy and I thought that... I found that odd. I mean, I can't believe he's not... I can't believe he's not um he's he's not left yet to be honest. I'm surprised he's still still hanging on, but they, they just they, they, he's really really struggling there, isn't he? I mean, I can't say I've seen much of much of Cardiff, but I, I am surprised with kind of like you know the, the, the players have got the hard, are good ones, aren't they? You know, they still got mm. Flint at centre back, haven't they? Yes, he's, they have. Yeah, he's still a top class player. You know, I don't see what I don't quite understand what's um what what's gone gone wrong up there to be honest, but. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what you think. What you think? Because, like I say, I haven't seen much of Cardiff, but I am surprised that they've still got, still held on to him, went for him well, in the first place. To be brutally honest. Yeah, I think that well, he's lost five on the spin, um, and obviously international break. A lot of fans are saying, "Well, this is the ideal time because they've got Swansea the next game, which is, uh, you know, a bit of a tasty one for them." Um, yeah, he got absolute pelters the other week when he played five centre backs in a starting eleven, mm. and I think he dropped Kiefer Moore. who's obviously there. You know their best striker. Um, that was when they got beat by West Brom four nil. So, yeah, fans weren't happy at that. And then obviously they lost to Reading. Um, again, they put up a bit of a better fight against Reading. But you know, five spin, five defeats on the spin says it all. Um, like you, I, I'm, I'm surprised he's still there. By all accounts, he's going to be staying there for at least the next game. But you know, they lose that to Swansea. That's six on the spin. Not many managers stick around after that do they especially if no. they lose to Swansea um you know in a in a heavy fashion you know it's got to be curtains for him hasn't it well I remember our West Brom reporter Joe Chapman saying after saying on Twitter during the um, 4-0 defeat 
on the Tuesday night just gone, the, mm. like the atmosphere was like just horrible. Yeah. Like on not just social media, but like in the ground as well. Yeah. Like getting 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 beaten like that. He said it. He said it was just like you know it just felt felt grim at the ground. Yeah. That's the, when, it's when the fans when the fans start chanting for the manager. That's it. It's, it's very very rare that they come back from that, isn't it? Yeah, I think as well. I mean, McCarthy doesn't necessarily play the best football either, does he? So you you don't even have the the fallback of oh well, at least the football's nice. <laughs> I mean, Mick McCarthy football. I mean, I I really like the bloke. You'll know. Football. Well, you'll yeah. know, won't you? Being a Sunderland fan. Yeah. yeah, exactly. He did very well at Sunderland, but the football was terrible. You know, that's it. it. It's like you know, style of a substance, or you know, and as well, I think he's not exactly the kind of manager that'll come out and say, oh, you know like kind of placate the fans is he i think he's very much this is my way of doing it honest you know? isn't he? That's yeah just, this is it, it. <laughs> well if you don't like it then <laughs> don't come yeah that's what mccarthy in a nutshell um middlesbrough lost at hull we did mention richard i think you t- touched on neil warnock but um i think we had craig johns on who's our middlesbrough reporter the other week and he was saying that middlesbrough season was kind of at the point where they needed a couple of wins to to really kind of put themselves back within playoff contention because I think they see themselves as a top eight club but lost at Hull at the weekend and you look at that and Hull have been so poor this season you think that they're probably them and Peterborough look like the two worst sides in the division for me quite comfortably um what happens with Middlesbrough do you think Neil Warnock is under pressure do you think that this could be his finally his last hurrah as a championship manager Again, this is like an interesting situation, isn't it? Because at what point do you decide, well, you know, this season's gone. I mean, I know all you have to do is put three or four wins together in a championship and you can be either out of a relegation scrap or into the playoffs. But at this point now, do you say, look, you know, something's got, we've got to turn this season around somehow because Steve Gibson, you know, Borough came down, I think, in the 2017-18 season was when they got, or was it a couple of seasons before? They were relegated 16-17. That's it, yeah. And they got Munkin, didn't they? And then they got Pulis in. So they got Munkin, spent big, went for Pulis, tried to kick their way out of the division, um, you know, kick and rush football and the Pulis. That didn't work. And now they went for Woodgate. And, uh, you know, Gibson's track record of man, it's not been great the last few years, has it? I mean, he's got to get the next one absolutely spot on because, again, you risk lagging behind. And if you can't spend the money because of FFP or whatever, you're banking on kind of like a Neil Warnock working working his magic like he did at Cardiff to get you out of, out of the division. And I must be honest, I didn't see this. Um, I didn't see this happening. I would say that normally, if you employ Neil Warnock and give him the tools, you know, you should be playoffs minimum under him. Um, but is it a sign that perhaps his managers, you Mick McCarthy, Neil Warnock, are they struggling to get a grip with you know West Brom? Bournemouth, Fulham, is that kind of way of getting out of the division? Is that is it on its way out now? You know, are you going to you're going to struggle perhaps to um, to forge that mentality and get the players playing in, in the way that you want to forge forge that kind of like get everyone on the same page and and get you get get your way out of the championship that way. I don't think um, I don't think Warnock's got long left to be honest, and I'm, and I'm honestly surprised that he doesn't just um, pack it in and retire and go back down to his home in, in Plymouth or, or Devon or wherever it is because I, I couldn't blame him if he did. You know, in fact, that's what I'd do now if I had the chance. <laughs> yeah, I think um, him and Steve Gibson are going to be very, very good friends. I think that's why he's, he's sort of sticking yeah. it out there. And apparently his missus also doesn't like the playing having around the house as yeah. much. I think she quite likes it when he's, uh, <laughs> yeah, when, he, when he's busy. Um, the other one I wanted to touch on, I was actually at Blackpool against Blackburn at the weekend. Uh, good game. Blackpool looked very, very good first half. Blackburn 
look good second half, but a, probably a fair result. Blackpool won two one. But what do you make of Blackpool, Ricky, this season? Do you think that they're, they're in the top half now? They had a very yeah. slow start the season, but they've, they've picked up. I think they're probably in the top six of form sort of over the last five or six games. Do you think that they could be? I don't think they're going to get in the playoffs, but do you think they're going to be in for a, a pretty comfortable season and probably, you know, not touching the R word quite as much yeah. as maybe people thought? I think, yeah, like you said, the, the start was really slow, wasn't it? Um, I think they've won three of the last four or something like that, four of the last five. Um, but yeah, I mean, that was a good win. I mean, Blackburn, you know, immediately now you think of Blackburn, you think of Ben Brereton Diaz, the new uh, Chilean superstar. He scored as well, didn't he, on Saturday? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I thought that was a, a great result. Obviously, a bit of a local derby. I, I presume Lancashire. Yeah, know, that, no, that it, way it was. I was surprised at how much of a local derby it was. Was it right? Yeah, <laughs> very, very feisty down there. Was it all oh, right? Um, but yeah, I mean, obviously, Blackpool fans. I think they, you know, from the outside looking in, I would imagine they feel like they've got the club back now. You know, they're back in the championship. They're allowed to go to games. I know they had a lot of the boycott, wasn't they, with the, yeah. the Oyston ownership, and you know, similar to Coventry in a few in a. You know, in a similar way, where the fans are back and they're kind of on side. You know, uh, like you said, I, I think top six is a bit. You know, I, I don't think they would have been saying that after five or six games. Um, but if they can stay up, it's a, it's a great achievement. And I think out of the three, Peterborough and Hull and Blackpool, I think certainly they're looking, you know, in best shape at the minute. Uh, and I think in general, I think they've probably got slightly better squad than the other two. I mean, none of them really out of all three have really strengthened have they Hull I think we're under an embargo um, so I had to you know similar to Derby I had to stick to, to loans and freeze Peterborough I think brought a couple of players in for for money but yeah Blackpool I'm, I can't think off the top of my head of any deal that stands out who was the new players they had on display they brought the um, the winger from Everton whose name has totally eluded us I was on loan last season yeah, I can't remember his name. Sims, is it? Richard Keel's there as well at centre back. I think. Oh, yeah. Richard Keel, yeah. You'll um, know about him, Richard. <laughs> good player, good player. I, I yeah. His injury, but he's a good, you know he's a good championship, good championship player. He, he, he during his time at Derby, he missed about like you know fifteen or sixteen games. Mm, really, yeah. good no, he did it. I was surprised. I mean, I always thought of Richard Keel was a bit of a a clogging player, but God, he was a ball playing <laughs> centre back on Saturday. He was a. Uh, yeah. It was fantastic. Um, well, I think we're just about out of time now. So thanks, guys, for coming on. It's been good to talk, good to learn from my perspective. Because to be honest, I've, while I have been tracking the Derby situation, I haven't been avidly watching it. And it, it seems not quite as cut and dry as previous administration situations, whereby they, I think Wigan were maybe the last team I can think of. Although, did they go into administration? I don't think they did, did they? They just held off last they year. They appointed Begbie's trainer, I think, didn't they? But this, this, the difference with Derby is that I'm just glad... We've gone into administration in October and not summer yeah. or not January because you've got yeah. two months now to get it sorted mm. until the potential fire sale. If you haven't got it sorted by January, then you know you you are starting to worry, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, could be. Hopefully, hopefully get sorted and hopefully they don't fall into League One because the last thing me as a Sunderland fan needs if we don't go up this season is another big club in there. You've already got <laughs> Sheffield Wednesday, you've already got Ipswich, you've already got Portsmouth who hammered with four 0 at the weekend. Obviously, Sunderland themselves are. You know, a bigger club, Rotherham down there, who are always coming out. So it's a, it's a pretty jam-packed league, League One at the minute. You, you don't need another big one. Give us Hull, give us Peter Brown, give us <laughs> someone else, someone else who's uh, not necessarily a big club. But um, thanks, Ricky, for joining us. Hopefully, you'll be back soon. I think we'll try and do an EFL podcast every couple of weeks. And Richard, hopefully, this Derby situation gets itself solved, and you can hopefully just just keep your heads above water 
come the end of the season. And thanks everyone for listening. Please remember to subscribe and, and have a, a great weekend. Hopefully you don't miss the Premier League and the Championship too much this weekend when watching England, I think, play Andorra. I think it's the first game they play. Can't wait.